Welcome to Floaty Rocks FM, a podcast that gives you LK99 news, <coughs> updates, conversations with experts, and uh, me, Alex Volkov, who's not a scientist, asking real scientists questions in a way that I could understand them, and hopefully you too. to just recap a little bit how we got to having a podcast and uh, space. <clears throat> LK99 News exploded on Twitter and quickly following that I noticed that people just want to converse and talk and have a reliable stream of information. And so I started collecting a Twitter list of the folks that I found credible and uh, excited talking about this new potential for humanity, material science, superconductivity, and more. And for some reason, this list also exploded to like 3,000 followers. And following that, we did a space, a Twitter space, um, with a few folks who are talking about this, Andrew McCallop, who tried to reproduce and then eventually reproduced this, and some other folks. Then we had four more spaces during the same week, which made me very tired. However, many people told me, hey, Twitter spaces is nice and all, and they're live, but we cannot make it. And uh, we're not sure how to play them on Twitter. Uh, why don't you post them somewhere? And this is how Floaty Rocks FM was born. Uh, thanks to my friends at Zealous, who literally I found about a couple of weeks ago in a coincidence who made it very easy to record Twitter spaces, transcribe them, and then put them up as a podcast. And so this is Rocks FM. If you're listening to this live in our spaces, uh, you're welcome to review the previous episodes. If you're listening to this on a podcast, you're welcome to join our next spaces live. Um, but also, please keep in mind that this is not like a standard podcast. Uh, you, you will need to, as much as I will try to moderate, <laughs> you will need to assume who's talking a little bit without seeing their faces. However, uh, Florida Rocks FM, the website, will have all the transcripts as well. So you're welcome to join there and see who's saying what uh, and, and see, some, see some examples. podcast is hosted by me, Alex Volkov, who, I will repeat, is not a scientist. I'm not a scientist. I'm just a guy who likes new stuff, and uh, I just happen to be okay at moderating spaces and collecting information, and so I'm literally sitting here with uh, iTunes <laughs> holding the volume button and, and trying to be the producer as well. So with this intro behind us, I want to talk about today's space. And um, I have an outline that I want to cover, 
we have some updates for you and we have some new friends that I want to bring up, uh, which I will invite to speak and introduce in a second. Uh, and uh, we have some, uh, how should I say, existing friends who, who will maybe want to join and, and speak as well. And we have a bunch of news, just a lot of news, because everybody's timeline, at least the folks who are following this as close as, as me, uh, has been up and down, up and down for a long time. And I think it's worth discussing what actually is happening. And um, yeah, and this is this is why this is why we're here. And I want to say hi to Atapai. Hey, man, how are you? I'm good, Alex. Uh, how are you? I'm good. I just need um, uh, I just need to, to to put myself on on do not disturb because I'm getting a bunch of uh, a bunch of DMs. I will say just one, one thing, Atapai. You probably as well. We have so many people DMing us with information, and I really appreciate all of you trying to bring us kind of the news, uh, definitely. I, um, <clears throat> we started with a Twitter list, and quickly people told me that Twitter lists are not that good for this purpose, specifically because Twitter list is a list of people, not topics, right? So I've added a bunch of people, but they went on to their normal lives and their normal tweeting, <laughs> and they just tweet about some stuff, and they retweet, and... Uh, that's not very relevant in the Twitter list. So for that purpose, we opened the community. Uh, we call it, um, I guess, Floaty Rocks. Uh, and I want to explain what community is real quick. And I want to invite everybody who's not there yet to join us. It's called Floaty Rocks LK99 Updates. And I will uh, I will share this in a post. And then I'll pin this to the top of the space. Uh, but definitely, if you go to Floaty Rock FM, the link will be there for you as well. Join our community. And I'm pinning this to the top of the space. Folks in the audience who haven't yet joined, please please feel free. We already did 700 members. And I will say this, the folks who DM us, please continue to DM us. If you want to remain anonymous, definitely feel free. However, uh, please participate there as well. The benefit of a community, I, I don't want to be an ex-shill, okay? <laughs> I, re I, really, I really don't. Uh, but communities are nice just from the perspective of if you want your main timeline to be kind of clean of the obsession with LK99 that uh, some of us seem to be having, uh, communities are a great way to still be on Twitter or X, still tweet, still cross post and, you know, boost, etc. still have your, the same social graphs as we have here. However, not to overflow your main timeline with just like reactions, etc. Um, and so I welcome you to join the community. It's now pinned to the top of the space. Uh, Atapai is there and some other folks. Um, everybody, let's let's start with maybe uh, just maybe a brief introduction of, of who you are and uh, and how how are we connected to all of this. Uh, for folks who are listening to several spaces, this may sound repetitive a little bit. However, for folks who are new to the podcast, this may be a good recap for them as well. So, my friend Atapai and I we've been kind of tracking this close, and uh, feel free to introduce yourself so folks kind of learn what your voice sounds like and and what's your take on all this or position on all this. Sure, Alex. Um, so, uh, hi, everyone. Um, so, I think um, I am, I think I'm also like Alex. I'm a startup founder. Uh, I'm in artificial intelligence. And uh, one of my uh, themes was that, oh, you know, the Twitter uh, algo uh, can be not quite hacked, but you can, you can kind of chase the algo. And I was looking for some way to do it. And Alex Kaplan came along and he tweeted this thing about, 
oh, you know, I think this is going to be big. And he tweeted this thing about room temperature superconductors. So I went and I took a look at it and I started off like, okay, you know, I, I usually do this kind of like scientific reading and summarization where I kind of like understand it for myself and then I kind of write notes. And I started putting the notes up on Twitter because people, it seems like a lot of people like prefer to read like the summary than the, than the actual paper. So I don't have any specific um, knowledge of superconductors, but uh, I have a broad scientific background. So I read through the paper and I was like, okay, you know, this is like a field with lots of hoaxes. It looks kind of interesting. Maybe it's true. And, uh, you know, we'll see. So I put that out and I just started seeing a lot of response. Like, you know, um, I was a, like a 2000 follower account at that point. I started seeing like 40,000, 50,000 um you know views in like a few hours so i was like all right this thing this thing has some has some so then i did a closer reading of the paper right i did a closer reading of the paper and um i went through the exact um way to synthesize it and this thing is so easy to synthesize in in what is said in the paper right in the paper they're like you add um you know the precursors together uh, you burn, you put it in a, in a in a capsule. You burn it in the furnace. You take it out. You take them out. You grind them up. You add the precursors again together. You put it in another quartz capsule in a in a vacuum. Put it in the oven, uh, in the furnace. Burn it. Take it out, and you know that's it. And I was like, well, you know, someone like a thousand years ago could have done that. So I put out another tweet saying like, this is caveman technology. And that kind of like started like this. So, and I started to see like the interest graph kind of like grow. Like each each tweet started to see like, you know, 100,000 hits or 100,000 views or it started to go up. So I was like, all right, let's continue tweeting about this. So I, so I chased down the story basically. The next, the next thing that happened was there was two papers. Like Alex Kaplan came along and he said, oh, well, there's two papers that, you know, are with similar authors around the same time. So what's going on? Like, why are the two papers? And, you know, people are starting to analyze, like, you know, the magnetic susceptibility and stuff like that. So at that point, I was like, okay, let's take a look at both papers. So I tracked down both papers and I tracked down the timestamps, right? So I tracked down timestamps um, and then I tracked down the papers and then someone online was saying like, oh, you know, Nobel Prize can only have like three winners. So I put that together and that was the next one. The next tweet that went out was, which is that the papers were not ready. And that was kind of obvious because, you know, um, there was like formatting errors and stuff like where someone had like cut and paste wrongly. And like, it was very obvious that, you know, the paper was not ready for it to be published and they pushed it out. So I just stated that. I just really stated the papers were not ready. Uh, the, these are the timestamps. This is what the timestamp would have looked like if the guy had, one guy had been sitting in Korea and the other guy had been sitting in Virginia. And, you know, if one paper had been pushed out with, you know, uh, you know, at, at like 5 p.m. close of day, um, you know, in Korea, you would, uh, you know, for the other guy to get up at 2 a.m. in Virginia to, in order, you know, in order to push a paper out, he that's gonna that's an emergency phone call. So someone made an emergency phone call from from Korea to Virginia, and I put that all together with like their bios because they're, you know, the guy in Virginia was in College of William and Mary is in Virginia, blah blah blah. So I put that together as kind of like a narrative, uh, and I pushed it out, and that was the thing that I think uh, started to get everything rolling. Yeah. Alex, so Edify, I just wanna gonna uh, pause you just briefly because the interesting thing about uh, your way through this is also kind of a summary of the events as well. And I think the summary is somewhat important, specific around the paper release, because even uh, yesterday there was a Vox uh, news release, right? And they, they quoted Alex Kaplan and some other folks, Sinead uh, uh, Connor, I believe, who did the, um, the, the simulation analysis and also released very respected scientists. And even Vox article got kind of the paper release wrong. 
and pointed to the fact that like, oh, it was so messy, so scientists don't believe this, right? But I don't believe that anybody besides kind of our group, and we'll talk about the group in a second, focused on kind of why and what happened, you know, with this kind of weird paper release, right? Uh, and specifically, I just want to highlight this point, and I'm trying to highlight this point as much as possible, because really, even though we're talking about this, this is the sixth consecutive space, I believe, even though we're all tweeting, it doesn't seem like it's getting picked up as much. Uh, the first paper, the first LK99 paper that we've kind of started with, not the actual first paper, the, there was a paper in Korean published before that did not get remotely close to this level of attention. The first paper we called this the three author paper uh, was released by um, Kwan Yang-Wen and Kwan specifically at this point uh, after we found out was not working for Q Center. Can you, can you take this from, from here a little bit and talk about the second paper and then Hyuntak, etc.? Right. So, so now we have these two papers. Uh, one was the three, one we call the three author paper, which has Lee, Kim, and Kwan, and one which I, which we call the six author paper, which has Lee and Kim, and uh, Hyunta Kim, and three other authors. But so no just, Kwan, just just right? to confirm, there's two Kims on this. Kim is a very common last name, and there's like two different folks yeah. that are named Kim. One of them is Hyunta, who's in Virginia, and this guy is a very, uh, very much cited. Um, um, scientists with William and Mary College, correct? So so like a respectable person who was brought to this team potentially to kind of help them, uh, et cetera. Right. So at that point, um, so we have these two, basically, um, the original Lee and Kim, and then uh, the third author, Kwan. Then you have Lee and Kim and Hyun Tak, right? And the, these other three, three other minor authors, I guess. So you have these two competing papers, um, and everyone's wondering what happened. And then, um, you know, you have my tweet going out, the papers weren't ready, you know, this is the timestamp, this is what happened, this is what would have happened. And uh, and, and that kind of started blowing up. That, then the interest graph, like, really took off. Like, that started to get millions of views. Uh, and so the interest graph really started to take off. Um, and then after that, we were just chasing down the story, and then we just lucked out, basically. We just lucked out because there seems there was a mineral, minerals and uh, multi, multi-metallic minerals conference uh, in Korea, uh, on that Friday, right? Um, so, uh, and Kwan actually shows up to this conference, and uh, Kwan, who is the third author on the third author pa- on the three author paper, and he kind of just gives a presentation, which is kind of like the presentation of his paper. He says he has a, a sample. Uh, he doesn't show the sample. I mean, he doesn't show the sample. He asks for like some other like you know instruments to be brought in, but they don't have it. He doesn't demonstrate the sample in front of them, and then he walks off, right? And then the the at this point, like there's just this explosion of interest, like what's going on, right? And then the Korean press gets involved. Uh, Yon Hap interviews um, Lee and Kim, and they basically say that you know Kwan has left the team four months ago, and he's no longer part of the team anymore. And uh, the the three author paper will be withdrawn, and it's going to be a retraction. So I think um, and they're going to retract. I, I think there's also an additional confusion about that interview that I've seen at least, and worth clarifying. So we have uh, Sang Hyun on our team, <laughs> on our quote-unquote room team, uh, is a person in Korea who's very interested in this, who's quickly started like researching, giving us notes. I think at some point he went to the library in Korea and found some stuff about this team that weren't published online, so it's really hard to find. And he's really good at like finding out the small kind of inconsistencies in, in words and, and, and meanings and translation errors. And uh, we'll talk about Sanghyun and his uh, findings uh, soon. I think he's uh, probably busy right now or asleep. However, the, the thing that Sanghyun specifically point out is that <clears throat> while 
the translation for some uh, kind of Western places about this interview said that uh, the original authors uh, said that both papers are not ready and they disagree with both. What actually was said, I think, is that they said that both papers were not ready, but they wanted to retract the first paper from archive. And but this got translated into, you know, Twitter speak where like, hey, the original authors don't agree with like both papers. So it added to the muddiness. And I just want to make sure that like we're clarifying this. Um, the two authors, Lee and Kim, the, the people behind whom like the name LK is, uh, they're standing behind the kind of <laughs> what they found. And uh, they are asking the first paper to get uh, withdrawn from archive, uh, the, 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 the place where those papers were uploaded. And I don't think that it happened. I, I still think the paper is up there. Um, and I think worth mentioning yet again that three authors on a paper, I think, is the maximum limit for a, a potential for a Nobel Prize. Adepa, is that correct? I think you, you were among the first who started noticing or at least talking about this. No, a Nobel Prize can be given to three people at, 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 at most, but they don't have to be your paper authors, right? Like you've seen split Nobels before. It doesn't matter. But it was just an interesting fact, right? Yeah, makes sense. And um, so, so we, we've done a little recap and the world exploded since then, <laughs> at least uh, not in a hopefully, uh, hopefully in a figurative way, but definitely our you know, social graph and our interest in this started, started going, growing and growing. And... Um, there's just so much information after this. There's information about the authors and the messiness of the papers. There is scientists who kind of scoff at the idea of even believing something that's, uh, first of all, disimpactful. And uh, I, I encourage you folks to listen to the previous episode. We had uh, and, uh, Andrew um, uh, Coat on here who talked about kind of the potentials of a room temperature superconductor. Uh, so we're not gonna go deep into there again. Maybe we'll sprinkle some some excitement around this. However, a lot of information is coming out. And what's notable about all of this, at least to the stuff, the, the folks we've talked about this, that um, ruling out the kind of the feeling about fraud, I think is the number one thing, right? Nobody potentially knows these people. Huntak is the, the most respected scientist here. Uh, everybody else is fairly obscure from like a very small kind of research center. And uh, there was already a history in science world of potentially fraudulent and retracted papers by Ranga Dice about also like room, room temperature superconductors. And everybody's kind of apprehensive. However, what's notable is that the process that's released with, with those two papers um, is a fairly quick process to replicate, which, which kind of starts to uh, show that maybe, maybe the, the, the surprising release of this by Quan, maybe this is what triggered kind of the release and not the fact that, okay, they actually want to make a splash or make a name for themselves, et cetera. And, and the surprising kind of ease of replication here just shows that had this been completely fabricated, had this been, you know, uh, an attempt at anything else, this, like like fame, I don't know. Th this probably would not have released with this ease of replication and, and quickness. And so we see a lot of labs and a lot of people starting to replicate around the world. Uh, I want to invite uh, Eli Ravani to the stage as well. Eli is a co-host uh, for Florirox FM. Uh, and I will let Eli introduce himself in just a second once he connects. Uh, Eli... Welcome to the stage. Let me just uh, turn you into co-host here. Uh, 
So, Eli, we're just doing a, a brief recap, and then we're going to start talking about kind of the summary. However, in the, in the recap that I'm trying to say, um, many replication attempts are happening. And during all this, I, I will just like add our point. I've, I've created a space, and then I created a room just for folks to talk about, hey, what are we going to talk about next in the Twitter space, right? So some communication behind the scenes is happening, folks, to, to bring this all to you and to make this kind of enjoyable and so we don't talk over each other, et cetera. And so this room started having folks uh, from from different places, replication attempts, et cetera. And, uh, and I think we're at around 25 people at this point. And I want to say we have the, the person who first replicated this, uh, in her living room, living room, Iris, and we have Andrew McCallum, the guy from Varda Space, who who is like the the first what I call a 4K replicator, right? <laughs> the first person in the United States to start look at these papers and just go at it and start like being open with the science and replication attempts, and then uh, um, uh, how should I say? Is the first person that says, "Hey." Enough with these low-resolution, you know, uh, cell phone, Nokia 3200 videos. We need the 4K resolution, like, uh, of, of what it happens. And uh, Andrew is also famously saying, hey, I'm not a scientist in this. I'm an engineer. I just have the materials and I, like, know how to read the paper. I am not looking to replicate any of the superconductivity claims. I am looking to see, uh, I think he named it Meisner effect or bust. So Andrew specifically saw that the replication process is fairly simple or fairly quick. Not simple to me. It's way above my head, right? Uh, but but and started replicating in open, you know, in open world, and saw an incredible outpour of support of people suggesting different things. Uh, and so when Andrew joined our our, our our chat, I call it the green room because this is the conversation behind the spaces. Uh, then there was a lot of very uh, incredible kind of collaboration that happened between Iris and Andrew. And we have some folks here in the audience as well uh, that I want to call out uh, that, that also kind of participated. So before I introduce Eli, I want to say hi to Daniel. Daniel, welcome to say hi and uh, tell the folks kind of how you got around LK and how you got to our room as well. Hi, Alex. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, loud and clear. Oh, great. Well, thanks for inviting me. Uh, I think I joined the, this whole wave a bit late, but uh, at first I, I heard about this, an additional attempt or an additional uh, claim for room temperature superconductivity. And as you said, there have been frauds in this space in the past. Uh, and, but once uh, it was communicated about the intrigue and the conflict inside the publishing group, I think this creates some space for belief because the paper as it's published is pretty bad. Uh, I would categorize it as fraud, but but once there is this narrative that there was a conflict, that for some reason there was a there was a reason for a hasty publication, this creates a space of doubt that um, maybe they really have something, but they haven't figured it out all the way. And that got me very interested. And the first uh, thread I published was not about this specifically; it was about the uh, the possibilities that a room temperature superconductor would open up. So I have some knowledge on this. Uh, I, I got a PhD in physics uh, myself. Uh, now I'm working in, in, as a research engineer in 3D printing. So I'm very, uh, very enthusiastic about what application, what this could change in today's energy ecosystem and, and in every other way. So I got really into it and, and I try to help out with uh, the things I learned about superconductivity and materials in my PhD, which is 
on surface science, which is, let's say, a tangential topic. We're not used to working with rocks. We're used to working with only thin films or, or with the surface of rocks. And that's my academic background. Awesome, Daniel. And I, I want to like say a huge thanks for joining, uh, because specifically, I wanted some folks who... Um, the, the way I got into this, maybe, maybe this is worth highlighting, is that, again, not a scientist, but I have some amount of intuition about people who are talking about this without attempting to kind of <laughs> get a fat check from X after like the tweets are blowing up and some people who are actually kind of interested in science. And also, Daniel, you called me out multiple times, I think in a WhatsApp group as well before, of the stuff that I wasn't like saying properly. And I deeply respected this because then this is how I learned as well. But also, I started noticing some conversation between you and Iris, I think, in the open as well, and, and then in a green, green room. And kind of uh, from these conversations, I also was able to kind of discern who's, you know, who, who's talking about science and who's talking about so, so, some other stuff. And I think uh, we're going to get into some, some more of this, but I, I appreciate your, your uh, joining us, Daniel, here and in the green room and in the WhatsApp. So we're, we're now uh, in multiple, multiple places together. And thank you for joining us on Spaces for the first time as well. Uh, Eli, welcome to the stage. How are you, man? This is, I don't know, I, I lost count how many of these we did, uh, but Eli is the co-host for, for Florida Rocks for multiples of them. And I think the first person who explained to me even kind of what superconductors are way back, maybe I'll post this. So Eli, welcome. Please introduce yourself. This is recorded for the podcast as well. Hi. So um, uh, Eli Rabani, uh, founder of Nanotechnology International, Ocean Restoration International. Um, I've been, I've done work in a whole bunch of different areas that are kind of uh, adjacent to superconductors. Um, uh, a couple of years ago, I did some uh, computational chemistry compounds on a different uh, room temperature superconductor candidate, which uh, at, at various points I kind of dismissed as garbage just because I wasn't agreeing what was in the literature. But uh, I've, I've since found that there's more in the literature, so I may actually revisit that as a consequence of all of this. And, and so uh, hope is not dead for uh, room temperature superconductors at all, um, even if LK99 itself doesn't pan out. Um, uh, and I've also done uh, surface, some surface science as well. So, so we've got two, two surface scientists in the house. Um, but uh, um, one of the things that uh, I, I want to stress to people is that we don't really have a clear idea of what was actually in the quantum energy research center samples um, it's possible that even though, you know, they, they put in certain stoichiometries that things segregated in, in, in their reactions, in the annealing, they presented uh, some data in their patent on uh, uh, energy dispersive spectroscopy, which tells you about the elemental composition of the surface, which can be different from what's in, you know, deeper towards the bulk. And really the best method to use to get to the root of all of this would be atomic probe tomography, which basically fires ions at a sample and knocks the atoms off one at a time and observes uh, 
data related to, to what's coming off of the sample. And you can basically reconstruct three-dimensional images of the tomography, the elemental tomography of the sample. And uh, until we have that A, that, from B, an actual superconducting sample, there won't be any certainty about anything. Now, so you know, like, right, yeah, uh, I, I, um, I agree about the, the, the certainty part, and I think it's very important for us to talk about how do we eventually know whether or not we're, we're back or it's over. Uh, I want to get to Ada Pai, who, who, who has a comment on this, and I will also try to kind of please definitely feel to, 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 to use the little hand raise uh, button so we'll not talk over each other and we'll let each other speak. Ada Pai, you, you had a comment about something that Eli said? Uh, yeah, Eli. So I, I actually had a question for you. When you say tomography, are you talking about a transmission electron microscope? Is that is that what no, you? No, it's 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 a totally different uh, instrument. It it, it involves uh, firing uh, ions at a sample and knocking off the the atoms in it, and then recording what atoms are coming off of it. Um, somewhere I. I I'm going to dig up the tweet and put it in the, the chat here. So give me a minute and, and, and go on with the discussion. Okay. So, so maybe just to give you some context, um, I think uh, on uh, the Korea uh, Institute of Technology research or energy research, Kentech uh, has put out a statement today that they received a LK99 sample from, um, you know, Quantum um, about a month ago, I think. It, de it depends on, it depends on who, yeah, just give me a second, Alex. It depends on who, um, you know, what translation you use and that they've been working on it and that they're one of the only three, um, you know, entities in the world with this uh, transmission electron microscope. One of the other three is Argonne, uh, Jorg Maser at Argonne. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah, thanks. I, I just wanted to kind of um, maybe summarize the, the events of the past few days before we get to the to, to the new new, <laughs> to, the, to the independent sample verification. Uh, and you like to kind of highlight what you said and, and maybe tell folks about um, the ways for us to know uh, for what's positive and what's negative, right? So we previously had multiple like folks on stage who talked about this is really to conclusively prove that uh, there's nothing there with 100% certainty. This is difficult because of multiple reasons. All of them is material science is, is really hard. There's a thousands of ways of, of doing the sample and some of them can result in a sample, some of them may not result in a sample. I think at this point in our green room, I just want to call out uh, uh, in the audience, we have uh, the alchemist, Gilad, his name, nickname is the alchemist, even before this whole thing. Uh, uh, Gilad is also part of the group. He's a, a student in material science engineering BGU in Israel. And uh, so we at this point have like three folks who are independently trying to replicate. and it's still not as easy, right? So we didn't get like the whole way, the whole recipe and there's missing pieces and there's the different kind of approaches. Um, when I think it was Berkeley and Adepai, uh, when you have uh, factual fact checks on me, please like unmute and, and tell me, but like, I think it was Berkeley who first uh, released the the simulation uh, of, of some of these materials, right? Sinead, uh, 
Well, what, what we found out was from Sinead uh, Griffith, but it seems the Chinese had uh, also, because, you know, Archive, Archive has a has a two-day embargo, kind of, you, you post in on um, Saturday or over the weekend, and it gets released on Tuesday. So, uh, Sinead Griffith and both the, the Chinese university had both uh, posted to Archive uh, over the weekend, and it had been uh, released on the same time, uh, basically, on yeah, Tuesday. Yeah, and, and so. we had... Uh, when this was, I think, first released, uh, we had the space and uh, some colleagues of, of Sinead uh, Griffin came up uh, from Berkeley and some people who, who know her and spoke to her kind of, you know, being a, a very respected scientist. I think she was cited in multiple media articles afterwards. And they definitely said several things. Uh, Shyam, I think, is a PhD in physics as well. Some of them said that, hey, this is... I was really surprised to hear this from, like, a PhD in physics and a respectable thing. He, he said, like, hey, this is... Uh, a, a very like basic metaphor for this if you like bake something and then you you swirl twice to the right and then once to the left you may get a different result and i, and I paused for a second like hey you know I, i'm 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 not the scientist you're the scientist but you're telling me that like whatever i learned from professor snape in the dungeon of harry potter also applies to how you bake these things he said basically yeah this is a metaphor but like it, it's it's highlighting how uh, difficult it is to get the samples and then digging into the patterns digging into some of the uh, the, the different material that comes out of this group, the Q Center group, there's reports that we've seen from, um, uh, I want to say, the Ministry of Education that Quan reported that we saw yesterday. Uh, everything highlights and everything points, and, and the multiple replication attempts around the world, in China, in our group, in, 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 in many places, it just highlights how difficult it is to kind of get some of these uh, uh, um, kind of samples to replicate. And uh, the reason why I'm kind of slowly crawling up the street is to highlight that negative results don't necessarily mean uh, debunking the whole LK99 um, kind of claim by default, right? So, like, we saw a negative result from VPS Awana in, in India. We saw a negative, like, an immediate result, and then folks told them, hey, you know, smash the rock. <laughs> they got a big chunky rock and then they try to like see if it superconducts and said no it's not a superconductor with a very conclusive way and then people was like hey smash the rock to bits and try to find the little pieces in there and uh andrew McCallum from varga the, the guy who you know we now affectionately <laughs> name space cowboy because he works in space industries and in a cowboy like fashion he started replicating this at the back of the of the office uh with, you know just like streaming streaming this to everyone he also kind of said, okay, once we got this like piece out of the, the quartz tube or several quartz tubes, uh, we need to then smash this. And then we need to, out of this, try to find the little pieces that, that show some sort of magnetism, diamagnetism, whatever. And again, to highlight that it's really hard to replicate. And even folks at Q Center, they've talked about how much of this uh, process generates very small samples and uh, potentially speaks to why they're not having a lot of samples to share for independent research. So, Eli, you, you found our, our tweet and you're, you're ready to talk about this, I think. So uh, I will post this here and feel free to, to then uh, pick up. Yeah, so, so that just, the, I did a screen cap of the, the most pertinent figure in that uh, that shows how you can see like inclu inclusions in uh, appetite inclusions in another mineral 
um, and you're seeing those dots, the, the dots that you see there are individual atoms. So you know, you know, what element is where, and uh, that kind of information would really shed a lot of light in this. Because when, when you make, you know, a, a, a material through, through solid phase synthesis, and then you anneal it, um, you're depending on, you know, whatever uh, um, phase chemistry uh, there is, what the phase diagram is like. And, and until you really know what's going on, it's all as good as alchemy or voodoo, right? Um, the, you know, assuming that uh, uh, the, the people at, at uh, uh quantum energy research center you know weren't making anything up you know they might have been struggling to do things they might not have been experts in all of the things that they were doing but that's different from making things up or you know committing fraud i should say um then you know they they seem pretty confident to put their reputations on the line um, you know, to advance this this claim of room temperature superconductivity, which anybody knows would be greeted with a lot of skepticism. Could you right? could you please tell us why would it be greeted with a lot of skepticism, specifically due to the, the gravity of the the potential here, the gravity of the uh, of what it means for science? Could you speak a little bit about this? Well, okay, so um, there are theoretical reasons to to think that the the higher the temperature the harder it's theoretical and you know just the history the higher the temperature the harder it is to maintain the the states that are ideal for superconductivity and um just in in the history of it there have been a lot of claims advanced uh of room temperature superconductors that have you know there there's turned out to be something wrong with them right um and also you know even if if you didn't have that about a field whenever whenever you you bring forward anything momentous uh and and a room temperature superconductor would you know have profound implications both uh, you know, sci- well, scientifically, technologically, and also society, economically and societally, right? And uh, we want we, we want to understand that as well as we can. So lots of people very, and we, we saw this, lots of people very quickly tried to replicate their results, tried to analyze uh, the system that, that they you know, that they described, right, theoretically. And, uh, you know, the more exciting your result, the more the more this kind of attention you're going to attract. So if if you're fibbing, right, it's not going to work. Right. And it's it's more than a fib. Fib is kind of, you know, minimizing it. It's it's it, it would be very bad to be making stuff up uh, uh, like this. So uh, I'm I'm still working under the assumption that, you know, they may have made mistakes, but they're they're not lying. And um, I think some some of the recent events that we've seen also highlight this, and I want to talk about some of them, right? So Hyun Tak Kim, the author of the second paper, uh, this very well cited uh, scientist, is now essentially kind of the the spokesperson as well. Uh, uh, William Mary College, I believe, um, 
he is not speaking in English. I haven't heard him speak in English at, at any point. And also for my Korean friends, uh, some of his Korean does not translate well by translators. Uh, I happen to be also... <laughs> the, the way I got into this is that I'm founder of Targum Video, which is a video translation service. My video automated translation does not pick up Hyunta Kim words at all. Like, like literally, it skips. I don't know why. It just skips over everything he says and then, you know, translates the other people who are uh, interviewing him. However, this really, very well, like... Re, re, um, uh, scientist, very well-renowned scientist who's in the space, right? Like, he's a scientist in superconductor space even before, uh, specifically, uh, Q-Center, before he joined Q-Center a year ago, he, he was working on the space for a long time. He's very well-sighted. So we know that this is a person with a reputation in the field that potentially kind of saw the claims uh, from, from this group and then also kind of joined them. And now he's not only kind of saying yes this is true and like this is my paper he also the spokesperson for this and they're not hiding they're not shying away from what they're saying they understand the gravity of the claim here and they they have been saying that we will help with some research and we also saw some correspondence from folks around the world that actually emailed them back and forth i think andrew McCallop and eli i think you as well he added you on linkedin i don't know if correspondence happened but he's not like shying away from this he's not you know, it doesn't. It does not feel fraudulent, and I think the human element to this we, we've covered enough. Uh, but it it does not feel that the process is also fraudulent, given all we know about Quan, about him not working there anymore, potentially releasing this and then speaking at the MMO conference without being announced, and then and then kind of um, and and kind of disappearing. But uh, the the folks behind this are staking their reputation does not seem like fraud. So this, I just want to remove this explanation from the table for a second, as far as we've seen. So I want to... I mean, there there, there are non-idealities to, to a lot of things uh, connected with Q-Center, but uh, uh, I don't think that really sheds a lot of light on, on, on the scientific truth of the matter. Um, and uh, I think we had an update from Quan, but I honestly kind of uh, slipped my mind. So once I find this, uh, I'll maybe bring this. Uh, so next, I want to talk about the replication attempts coming in from everywhere and the, the amount of kind of videos we start to see really quickly. So we've seen uh, Iris, uh, IGB, and we'll pin this, this tweet. Uh, look at this. She's not a, a, a chemist or a biologist, right? Uh, sorry, she, she, she says she's in biology or soil biology, uh, but definitely there's a lot of... Um, maybe, Daniel, maybe can I ask you a question about Iris just real quick? Because you, you did your, uh, <laughs> your studies in physics. Uh, she claims she's not a physicist. What's your take on, on Iris's specific kind of approach and, and kind of science understanding? Uh, well, I, the, her level of understanding is actually above me. Uh, but from from what I take, that uh, there there was uh, an opinion of uh, Bogoliubov that uh, superconductivity could be have additional mechanisms to the ones that uh, we we know today, and so prohibiting the the mechanisms of uh, superconductivity in one dimension. So specifically, you know, it's it's theoretically forbidden by our current understanding on superconductivity uh, doesn't mean that it's entirely impossible if there are mechanisms that we still don't know about that permit superconductivity. 
So maybe um, I'll try to kind of summarize this uh, just for folks maybe that don't understand uh, the things that I didn't understand just a few a few moments ago. Uh, we have currently ex uh, experimented or noticed or discovered several types of superconductivity in materials. Uh, many of these properties start appearing in very low temperatures, and there was like a, a long time superconductor from the I don't know 60s or even earlier, and then around 80s there was a uh, three IBM researchers that also I think um, received. Uh, th this is widely known as like the type two superconductor and uh, YBCOs. Maybe folks on the stage, feel free to tell me if I'm not, not talking about the same thing. The material is called YBCO. The material yes. is called YBCO, and uh, those superconductors, they kind of, uh, how should I say, they talk about the same type. And the potential here is we're looking maybe for a different type or a different like uh, uh, way of, of achieving this, this uh, superconductivity uh, material. I started and, through uh, this one, and I don't one... think this was good. Eli, please, please, uh, please take this. <laughs> So, so one, th uh, so so YBCO, yttrium, barium, uh, copper oxide. Um, one of the things about that is that the crystal structure is such that there are uh, two-dimensional planes that uh, the superconduction occurs in, and uh, actually, uh, um, in in that interview that you mentioned, Kim. Uh, was making an interesting point that uh, uh, they believe and other others now believe that LK99 has uh, one-dimensional superconductive channels. So this really is a different class of superconductors if it's a superconductor. And uh, that would go a long way to explaining why the attempts at levitation have only yielded mag uh, magnetic torque rather than than uh, you know lifting off in three dimensions, and uh, we've we've seen a, a couple of uh, replications of that torque at room temperature now, um, uh, Iris and uh, Alex, and. Um, uh, I think you mean Andrew? Andrew posted uh, Andrew, three videos, right? Andrew, yeah, sorry, sorry. There are two Andrews and two Alexes. Um, Andrew McCallop. And uh, it, Iris, uh, uh, you know, had a good explanation for why there's magnetic torque, and that is that if you have superconducting channels... Well, okay, let me back up. The principle of uh, levitation has to do with a superconductor expelling uh, the field from its three-dimensional volume. So it's actually the magnet minimizing its energy uh, that causes the force that, that, that levitates the, the superconductor. But in the case of uh, a material with one-dimensional superconducting channels, if that's the case, um, there's reason to expect that the field would just penetrate the spaces between the channels instead and so the material would want to line those channels or rather the spaces between them with the magnetic field lines and what was seen both by by um iris and by uh by andrew 
was that as you rotate the magnet, the sample also rotates with it. Right. And um, independently, those are independent attempts, even though they kind of maybe talked about how, how to get there. And uh, I, uh, to this to this space, I wanted to give uh, Andrew McCallop a shout out as well and uh, point folks to his like last statement that uh, while he's not a scientist, he definitely in, the, in our last space has asked multiple folks to register to like a, a Google form, whatever, so that uh, we, we, uh, we they would be able to do the test that needed on the on the samples that he did get. And so uh, Andrew at this point wants to somewhat take a, a little step back because, you know, Twitter picks people up sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. For Andrew, luckily, this was for the better. Everybody's like cheering him on. Uh, there's a lot of like positive potential here. And I haven't seen many, many things happen, uh, you know, since I'm on the internet that are as positive and are as like universally uh, accepted as like a good thing that we all should cheer for. And Andrew definitely kind of took the banner. One of the first people who took the banner, Iris got, Iris got a lot of hate, but then hopefully now, like I think things are starting to, to round up uh, for Iris and, and uh, her account and her credibility, uh, especially after connecting to the Moscow Institute that she does work with and uh, posting some more, you know, conversations out there. Uh, Andrew took the banner. Now Andrew wants to take a little step back and maybe, you know, return to his day job. So I will point you guys to Andrew's, I'm not going to speak for Andrew. He didn't ask me to say this, uh, but we'll do, to his kind of last tweet that's pinned on top where he's like, okay, what I wanted to achieve here was achieved as far as I'm concerned. And now there is a multiple scientists. I think he mentioned U USC uh, uh, that, that will get samples. Uh, USC material... Consortium, right? So, so uh, USC is University of South California. I want to say, uh, uh, yeah, University of Southern California. Folks Southern, reach, yeah, yeah. Folks reach out to Andrew. Andrew has provided samples, and Andrew wants to take a little step back. I, I will want to ask for folks who are in this community and folks who are like badgering Andrew. Hey, post more videos, please, please relax, okay? Andrew, Andrew wants to like yeah, keep doing his day job, but also wants to listen in because he's very, very interested in this as well. So this is an update about Andrew. He's still participating in the green room. Uh, he still kind of will talk about what he sees. But uh, yeah, please stop badgering Andrew. And this is kind of an update there. So Andrew, well, I, I mean, honestly, no, nobody should be badgered, right? People, people are sharing information, right? And uh, it's it's not like anybody is is like making building their career on this. Uh, Iris did not come onto Twitter to uh, to gain a following, right? Um, um, she's just communicating with people, and you know it's been it's been two way communication. We've learned things from her; she's learned things from us. Absolutely, um, and I think this is partly the reason for many people scoffing at the idea of somebody who's like no followers, no, you know, confirmation independent of, of credentials. Um, and and definitely, definitely nobody should be badgered. Nobody owes anybody anything. People are collaborating. And uh, I, th I think the amount of collaboration in the open was incredible to me. So we have, we have folks who replicated, kind of want to take a little step back maybe. We have uh, uh, labs that are trying to, to do, Eli, some of the, uh, the stuff that you said uh, or other... Um, ways to figure out the superconductivity part, right? So we started, like, all of us on Twitter started, like, seeing whether or not this piece will float. 
The floating came from Meissner effect. Meissner effect is uh, uh, an effect attributed to type 2 superconductors, right? Um, and now we're seeing maybe a partial floating. Maybe this points to, hey, this could be a different type of super, superconductor that's not previously discussed. Uh, and then, Ada uh, Pai, maybe you want to add some of the Bagalubov uh, kind of discussion here because I think maybe it's relevant to whether or not this is a, you know, the type 1, type 2, or, or is, is potentially something else. And this is why we don't see like a full levitation. Um, I, I don't know if I can, I've, if anyone can really uh, talk about with authority on that. I think, I think, you know, what I can sense from just the process of like how people figure out what is truth, right? Um, I think, I think like the way that this happens in all scientific communities is that you need a process for that truth to kind of like propagate, right? And um, I think in this case, you're going to see it propagate. Um, I mean, it is propagating very fast for any science, right? Like this is at internet speed here. But I think, um, you know, you, you need like certain things to happen uh, in order for people to get convinced. And remember the baseline, baseline is just skepticism, right? Baseline is that it's not true because until something is something, you know, happens that you have enough evidence to prove to disprove the existing hypothesis you know it's not true so the baseline is skepticism right so all of us here who are even a little bit you know uh thinking that it's it's there is a room temperature superconductor we are obviously on the other side of the baseline already we have crossed we have crossed the baseline we are on you know unevidenced you know area unproven area unproven ground so on this unproven ground that we are standing on, we are all looking at like various forms of lesser proofs, right? Of not the full proof that you would need in order to say that this thing is true. We're all looking at various forms of lesser proofs. And there is where things break down because the lesser proofs which are available are number one, the papers themselves, which are terribly written. Uh, and number two, these validation attempts by various people, replication attempts, which are also kind of like, you know, you don't really know because the papers were so badly written. You don't really know if the processes which are being followed are the same processes. So you don't really know if there's any real LK99 out there in the world at all. Right. And then you have this product, really, where you've had, you know, at least 20 years of these guys like working with it. And until 2017, they couldn't even get a, a, a proper sample. So in 2017, they don't have enough of a sample that they can actually provide to an external party to test. And they only kind of like get enough of a sample for other people to start testing earlier this year. So their performance process, their, their, their production process has improved, right? So at this point, this is where, this is where like people need to place their bets based on the lesser evidence, I think. And I think um, I have come out, you know, I came out like, you know, uh, nine, 10 days ago where I was placing my bets on, yes, it's happening, right? It's actually happening. And that was more of a social proof aspect where I said that, look, you know, you've had this kind of, you can have a cult behavior where, you know, scientists are in a little silo and they believe something, but it doesn't get transmitted outside. And I felt that it had left that silo uh, when it went to Hyuntak and then when it went to Kazilbash. And I was expecting it to go to Argonne National Labs next, right? Uh, 
So it seems Argonne hasn't received the sample yet. So that, that process still has yet to occur. But on the other hand, the sample has been received by these guys at Kentech, uh, which who have a TM. So uh, we are at this place where you know the the, the guys with the uh, you know, transmission electron microscope, they say that they've had the sample for a while now. They say that they're not going to comment on the superconductivity, and that should be left to other people who are testing the you know electrical uh, characteristics. They say that they have tested the uh, you know crystalline structure. They've they've put it under the TM. And that it matches what is there in the in the six author paper, right? That's or the or the Korean paper. I'm not I'm not sure which which ones are which one they're referring to. So that's where we stand today. And I'm taking uh, I'm basically taking a fact and saying like, hey, you know, I think that these guys don't speak English that well and they don't explain things that well. But I think they're I think they're they're, they're putting their reputation on the line and that means something. And I think they're true. Go ahead, Alex. So I just wanted to let Eli. Uh, I saw you unmute, Eli. Go ahead. Yeah, so I just wanted to 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 get clarification. Did they confirm the appetite structure? Okay, so it's 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 in the so what they have said. I'm gonna have to read it. Uh, just give me a second. Let me let me pull it out. Okay, meanwhile, uh, he, he pulls it up. I wanted to continue my kind of uh, train of thought here. So uh, we are starting to see a lot of frenzy and a lot of kind of independent replication attempts and evidence coming out. And uh, many folks are trying to look for signs of superconductivity based on the previous superconductor uh, science that we know exist, which is like the type two superconductor, the, the B, BSC, Eli, correct? Uh, uh, or, or Daniel, uh, BSC or BCS, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I think I'm dyslexic a little bit. Uh, and me, that type of superconductor would kind of levitate, and we've seen those chilled samples that are uh, dipped in liquid nitrogen to, to get chilled to a very low temperature to achieve superconductivity, and then kind of put on top of a magnet, and then they kind of float in there, almost like flux pin to, to a point. Some of them even have these nice visual videos of like a puck that's very, you know, uh, exhuming, uh, I would say fumes, not fumes, but... Uh, condensation it's very chilled and it's it's kind of stuck in there and many people are looking for that in replications right however there there, there was a video of a skateboard or a, 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 a floating superconductor board that was chilled of course oh yeah i saw that that was so cool right so so somebody just like created a magnetic uh, uh skate park and then they, they they added like a bunch of super chilled superconductor of the previous type material to like a literal like hoverboard and then they actually did the hoverboarding thing uh <laughs> very exciting given you know potentially what we're looking at right now and um everybody was looking for kind of this as evidence for whether or not we're seeing a superconductor and then we've we've talked with multiple folks on stage that say hey if this, in fact, a different approach that also achieves superconductivity, which is like not in that area of type two superconductor, but in, in fact, in a different area, then we may not kind of get the signals we want. So, so it may not float and still be a superconductor. Uh, and we've seen a lot of videos, fake and not fake, from China and, and, and other places, uh, also focusing on this one piece. We saw a bunch of fakes, and I fell for a few of them as well. And I, I thank uh, folks in our community for like, calling out specific things. And um, 
we're not looking for floating anymore. Is that correct, Eli? Is that a fair assessment? We're like we're looking for data, and it looks like we have at least some of it uh, to, to talk about here. Eli, is that correct, or are we still looking for for uh, floaty float? Oh, Daniel, please go ahead. Yeah. S sorry, I, I had a call. That's okay. Daniel, please go ahead, and then Eli, I'll, I'll ask again. Yes. Well, I think it's becoming clear that it's not the superconductor we were hoping for. We were hoping for strong field exp expulsion, robust temperature, large volume of superconductivity. We're seeing that it's low yield. So if it's superconductive, it's superconductive on maybe small parts of the volume of the samples, small flakes out of the big rocks. Uh, if it's 1D superconductivity, we should recalibrate all of our expectations because this would uh, behave very differently. Maybe not all the things we were hoping to achieve with the superconductor will be possible with the superconductor. And so we're seeing over time a recalibration of, uh, of expectation based on, on the data. Um, and so we're no longer expecting, you know, full flotation and flux spinning. And, and then therefore it gets harder to get the evidence. So if the superconductivity is really on small, tiny chips, then we need different measurement methods. Do you need to use the finer measurement methods that are not as easy as putting it on a magnet? Uh, if, if we're looking for superconductivity or zero resistivity on really small parts of it, so we're going to need to put the probes very close to each other, or maybe we're going to need to use a microscopic method that, that is capable of measuring locally if you have a superconducting phase. And so we're seeing that, let's say, the, the, the synthesis isn't delivering what we were hoping for from a room temperature superconductor, but it possibly delivering uh, something less easy to detect. And so we're narrowing down the search space. And now it's in a place that is harder to access experimentally. So we're going to have to uh, use a more, uh, let's say, expensive or more uh, difficult experimental techniques. And I think if we show that it's there, nevertheless, that will put a, a, put eff a big effort behind improving the synthesis so we, we can get big chunks, so we can get big domains see how we can optimize it. But I think a lot of people who, who can uh, fine tune the synthesis on a large scale would like to see stronger evidence that there is a case for them to do that. And I've seen uh, comments of that style from, from professors on the internet. I think disappointed, first of all, of the process. They, it doesn't seem like, to them like it's a scientifically, uh, a science-y process where you, you expect large amounts of data to be shared, lots of samples to be shared, process to be shared in detail. I think there's no risk now to attribution, whoever um, whoever should get the, the, the Nobel Prize, uh, well, uh, they will have their discussion based on the first two papers. But now the what what a lot of people expect in terms of reproduction isn't isn't happening through the official channels by the, the inventors themselves. And and so a lot of people are, are waiting for someone to produce that strong signal that there's a case here. Uh, so just just uh, so just let me um, let me let me uh, go on two things. Um, so firstly, 
um i think the um on the on the korean on the korean paper um the kentech uh, basically said um as a result of analyzing the x-ray diffraction structure of the sample it was confirmed that the fine crystal structure of the sample is the same as that presented in the yeah, yeah, could you please uh, uh, maybe present what we're talking about okay, here okay so so we will infer yeah. that that's appetite and okay so it's extra wait guys before, just just one second because this is recorded i want to make sure that the audience is following along so we've seen and, and uh, i know i keep like moving this backwards eight to five and so so yeah Eli, that's, can you hear me I mean, that, that is, is fairly hear? encouraging because you know all of the theoretical uh, um, I think uh, Eli couldn't hear me. Can somebody DM Eli and, and ask him to rejoin? Sometimes Twitter Spaces disconnects multiple people from the host and then we're talking above each other. Um, so yesterday we've seen uh, Peking University saying that what they've been able to replicate with their samples does not show super uh, uh, conductivity. Uh, it shows ferromagnetism. Uh, Daniel, I wanted uh, first to talk about this because I saw that this was released and many people talked about uh, Peking University and their credibility, etc. And uh, I started seeing like the, the manifolds market crash and people are saying, oh, it's all over, it's all over. Until we get to the news of today, I know, I know you're getting for this. I really want to talk about this too as well. Uh, but Daniel, could you, could you please maybe explain to us uh, a ferromagnetism? Is that, is that uh, a fair ask of you? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's very easy. Uh, everything that uh, you you call a magnet, that's a ferromagnet. Every material that maintains a large scale mag magnetic alignment, like fridge magnets, like those horseshoe magnets in cartoons. Uh, these are the technical word term is ferromagnetic. And we've been talking about, about diamagnetism. These are materials that when they are exposed to a magnetic field, their internal magnetism aligns in opposition to the external field. And then there are more common materials that are paramagnetic, like your fridge. When it's exposed to a magnetic field, it aligns in the same direction as the external field. And that's why paramagnets attract ferromagnets. And that's why magnets stick to your fridge. Uh, or to your car, etc., and and diamagnets repel, and that's basically it. And uh, so we have a very respectable research from Peking University saying that this, from the examples they were able to replicate, this is a ferromagnet. Um, and so yesterday I saw just a lot of people using this as concrete evidence that that's it, we're over, and, and, and that's it. Uh, so, so, so Pi, now we're getting towards today. And today we're seeing an article from, can, can, you, can you talk about this? I only did the translation, I also want to get Eli back. Though. Right, so, so, so basically today we see um, uh, Kentech, Korea Energy Engineering University, uh, you know, uh, they have received a sample. So this is interesting because we only know before this of only one other sample, which is requested by William and Mary. So we don't know of any other original LK99 samples. So this the first interesting thing is, this is an original LK99 sample from Quantum. Uh, it's been given to uh, Kentech. Uh, so this is the first confirmation we've ever received that there is actually one sample outside of Quan and you know uh, Quantum. And so Kentech says that they have received a sample. 
They have done an X-ray diffraction on it. The X-ray diffraction confirms it's the same fine crystal structure as that presented in the paper. And then uh, the researcher says, if you look at the microcrystal structure, you can estimate the possibility, even if you cannot confirm the physical properties of the material. As a result of confirming the microcrystal structure with X-rays for the analysis of LK99, the Quantum Energy Research Institute has a crystal structure, and the crystal structure confirmed in the sample was the same. So at this point, we now have the first kind of proof that we have a sample which was you know, uh, mentioned in the paper, which has now been proven outside of the original um, you know, group of the, or the original quantum group, and the, that you have a sample outside, basically. And that's where we are right now. Uh, and, you know, it, it's very, I think it's very telling that, you know, they said that they don't want to confirm the electrical properties, because I'm sure that the first thing that any scientist getting that thing in the lab would do is hook up, you know, uh, some uh, impedance meters and like, you know, figure out whether it's actually superconductor or not and that they don't want to confirm it, and they say that they're just going to confirm the uh, X-ray structure, means that they, they, that they are confident enough that they're like, okay, you know, let this story break over time. Let's do this step by step. So, so, so again, a first kind of outside of the Q-Center sample, uh, and we've heard stories, and uh, hopefully Jesus uh, will join us. Uh, we've heard stories about the MIT professors that potentially got denied sample, and then we figured out that, hey, nobody was denied, they were just there for the conference, the MML conference, and they, I think, asked to see or asked to, to, to look at uh, or even test the samples. And apparently, and again, based on some evidence from Quan and some from other folks, uh, even though LK99, they claim that they have what they have, they weren't ready with the papers. And this, like the, the paper release caught them by surprise as well, which also means that potentially they don't have a good process themselves to replicate kind of what they had. Um, Daniel, please go ahead. Yeah, what I'm feeling is like there's this this two narratives and they don't meet. There's one is the narrative that the papers were rushed out. It also from the data from the patents, they also seem to have been rushed out. And and this is what why we give them the benefit of the doubt. On the other hand, from their public statements, that they don't seem to to agree with that there is a doubt. They seem to completely convince that the evidence that has been put forward is enough and we can move on. Uh, so I'm, I'm a bit, yes, I'm a bit worried about this, that they won't, they're not doing an effort to disprove the doubts that still remain given uh, the quality of the papers they have published so far. So I, I, can, I can speak to that, which is that they are not scientists, right? Um, they, the quantum guys are business people, um, and the science is, you know, they, they've done as much science as they think that they need to, basically. And at this point, they need to make money, right? And, you know, at this point, they're basically saying that, hey, you know, I've done the work that I need to do in order to get this out in the world. The paper can be absolute trash, um, and, you know, I'm still going to get a Nobel Prize because I've, I've you know... I have actual uh, room temperature superconductors, which I'm going to make into a product and which you're going to use, right? Which is a very, very powerful statement, right? Which is like, look, dude, like, yeah, yeah, you guys go ahead. You guys find out, you guys figure out the science. You guys figure out like how to how do all this stuff. Um, and what also is evident from the Kentech statement is Kentech 
in 2017 was contacted by these guys and um, the sample provided was not high quality enough. And now they say that the yield has been improved and now the sample is good enough. Go ahead, Alex. So to, to, to kind of add to what you said previously about QCenter being a commercial, you know, uh, <laughs> a company that is, is here to make money, they have filed multiple patents. And actually some of the information that we do see, including some of the ferromagnetism kind of uh, results that we've seen from, from the Peking University from yesterday, people I feel uh, maybe over-indexed on and said, oh, it's all over, it's all over, just a ferromagnetism, as Daniel explained to us. So, uh, both patents, I think, uh, it was it was shared on manifold. I probably should go and find this to to add to show notes. The, both patterns also talk about some results are ferromagnetic, or at least some, some of the samples, some of the examples are ferromagnetic as well. Uh, however, to speak to the to to <laughs> whether or not they're working on replicating this at Q Center or trying to go to patents, there was an interview and. Uh, Forget me, this is all happening. Uh, forgive me, it's all happening so fast. I don't remember. It was Hyunta Kim that said that many labs around the world, or Kwan that said many labs around the world, working shifts in trying to replicate and doing some of these things uh, to actually get out patents out the door based on new processes to to get bigger yield, new processes to maybe do some of the stuff that Daniel said that like uh, show a better process or a better way to 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 to. to uh, synthesize this material to to then kind of capture patents and uh, to this effect I want to I want to talk about a little bit about what happens in China and what happens with videos from China and we have uh, I want to pin a tweet from Elsa Zhu Elsa is uh, <laughs> I want to say quote unquote our Chinese reporter Elsa uh, is now I think in China but before she was uh, participating from elsewhere and she is tuned into the Chinese kind of internet which also got so if you, if you think that your uh, Twitter or X timeline is full of LK99, um, there's videos in China. They're like the fourth of five most popular videos on Bilibili and have like upwards of 300, 400 million views in like 24 hours, right? Uh, you, you remember, guys, that we were all like cheering for, by the way, Korea, for, for, for Gangnam Style to pass billion views? And this took like a while. <laughs> they have videos again of, of, of some of the samples for LK99 and some replication attempts that passed 300 and 350 million views in, in like 24 hour period. It, it's incredible how much of this is taken over the Chinese internet. And so Elsa is like our reporter over there. And what we've noticed is, first of all, we started seeing a bunch of information coming out on these Chinese uh, uh, websites. Uh, Jihu, which is kind of like a Quora website with like questions and answers and algorithms putting kind of the best uploaded answers to the top. Uh, and then uh, Bilibili, which is like the at least part of the Chinese YouTube. And, and uh, we've seen a lot of these evidence. And then we started seeing a lot of fakes, right? So our communities, uh, me personally, I apologize. I was responsible for at least posting at least one potentially fake video. Or if not fake fully, I think a video that shows something that's not uh, LK99 is an example, but maybe shows seems like it is. And um, there's definite evidence of people trying to tamper with kind of the markets that this, um, we know, you know, there's speculation markets and prediction markets in the US. I assume there's some from China as well. We've seen evidence of folks releasing some videos and, uh, you know, quote, you know, debatable of those videos are fully faked uh, or if they're showing something else, but those videos definitely kind of sway the public opinion. And there's, you know, a lot of money riding on this much of 
population. And so what Elsa is trying to show, and uh, again, the top tweet is, is posted here, we'll add to show notes as well, is Chinese state security is getting involved in some of these sample releases, including retraction of some of the videos that are popular, including uh, asking folks to post statements that says, hey, we're sorry, you know, this was a fake, etc. Uh, I think it was confirmed that we saw a person who posted uh, like a viral video that went really viral and then took down and then they posted like uh, in some obscure gaming forum that they posted this in order to make some money and what's wrong with making some money and then they took down the, the original video. And so we are now seeing potentially uh, evidence from the Q Center folks that saying, hey, we're a commercial, you know, endeavor here. <laughs> There's a limp that we got caught by surprise with Quan releasing this. So we, at, at some point, we want to also protect our scientific integrity and say, hey, we're not bullshitting anyone. This is what, the, what we think. This is this is the process, etc. We're going to stand behind this. We're going to help maybe with correspondence. However, we, you know, there's patents involved. They also want more patents. And uh, some of the folks in Q Center said labs around the world are trying to like replicate this and maybe the, the, there's going to be starting a, a patent war there. And uh, we definitely see a lot of excitement and a lot of work from different Chinese uh, labs from all around China, from Hust, from Peking University, from, from different places, and also a lot of noisy signal coming out from there as well. And to that effect, yesterday's paper could contribute to some of the noise as well. And I, I really want to just briefly talk about the, yesterday's paper, the, the, the fact that they found ferromagnetism and many people just took this as, okay, this is done. Uh, again, the two patents that Q-Center has released, they both talk about some of the samples uh, showing the evidence of ferromagnetism uh, and some evidence showing uh, evidence of superconductivity. And uh, I don't think that based on what I've uh, heard from uh, Daniel, from Eli, from different folks in our green room, from scouring the internet and processing this information, that this is enough evidence to conclusively say LK99 does not reproduce and is not like a superconductor. Uh, even though many, many people took the Peking University and said it's over. I also don't think that, uh, like Atapai just said, what we just had from uh, from the Korean Institute that actually got the sample is enough to say the claim is true and we're so so back. Like you know, this is a real superconductor. Uh, I wanted to ask folks about uh, maybe Eli. Now that you're back on stage, and then Atapai, uh, what do we think about the Peking University kind of? Uh, quote-unquote conclusive, uh, uh, I want to say, statement, or people using it as conclusive statement, and then what do we think about today's um, verification? Uh, actually, we're talking about today, so, so about the Pekins from yesterday. So, so um, the same uncertainties apply to, to disconfirmatory uh, results at this stage, just because, um, you know, for example, uh, although we know that some have seen the appetite structure um, you know, we, we don't know what else may be in a given sample that, you know, somebody finds, uh, uh, um, uh, ferromagnetic, uh, properties in, or, or excuse me, ferroelectric properties in, for example. Um, so again, like the, the morphology is, is a big unknown and it was clear actually that morphology would be an issue from the very first preprint where they talk about some of their non-zero uh, resistance measurements uh, they explain they they advance an explanation for them as being grain boundaries which is a very uh, uh, reasonable thing from from the perspective of material science 
so so um, we need more data about you know any results that uh, that more details about any results that would uh, uh, be taken as confirmatory, and we also need. Uh, lots of details about any results that would be uh, considered disconfirmatory. Hey, Dubai, go ahead. Yeah, so I think, um, you know, my, my take on this from the beginning has been, uh, yes, it is, well, not from the beginning, from like 10 days ago when I called it, was that, yes, it is a, a room temperature ambient pressure superconductor, but it's a finicky material. Uh, it's hard to produce. Uh, yield is low. Um, you're going to see the production specialists come in. You're going to see people from Kyocera, uh, you know, Corning, all the guys who work with ceramics, all the guys who figure out production. Um, you're going to have to figure out, like, you know, it's also lead, right? So it's not, it, 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 it may not be suitable for all uses. So you're going to come to a small set of use cases and a production process and a yield and a price and all of those things are going to match on some kind of product. And that's going to happen, you know, uh, in the next, you know, 18 months or so, I, I'm guessing. And then you'll see, like, something real come out of that process. In the meantime, I think, like, there isn't, because these guys are not really scientists, they're going to push ahead on the commercial front. Um, and they, you know, they have the material and they know how to produce it. I'm guessing that they know how to produce it better than any, any of us. So I'm guessing that they, they, because in several interviews they've given, they've said that they want to, uh, that they're working on mass production or, you know, scaling the process. So, and I'm guessing that they are, they have some level of scaling now. Uh, and now they have the money, right? You, you, can, you can look at, you can look at this archive paper drop as kind of a chat GPT drop, right? Before, do the chat GPT drop and raise 10 bill from Microsoft. So this was their chat GPT drop, the ar archive paper. Uh, and then they've had like enough stuff going on now. I suspect that they have funding uh, and they're using that funding to do stuff. Go ahead, so, Alex. So just on the point of funding, I think it's worth telling folks like what we've seen already. Maybe this hasn't like crossed the the, um, the threshold of news where you're at. <laughs> Q-Center uh, has struggled with funding, at, at least as far as we know. The, the lab... There was a one Chinese YouTuber that went to just like knock on their door. I don't know how they find them. Uh, it's it's a like a small basement in in a very um, niche neighborhood. Like it's not like half a building even. It's like a tiny basement somewhere. Uh, that, actually, they said near Gangnam in Korea with like good schools around. I think this was this was the discussion. Uh, I don't remember exactly who this was who said this. And then we saw the Chinese kind of YouTuber go in there and kind of try to knock on the door. Uh, it's definitely not a huge funded lab that's working on this and um, but now essentially there are they're taking the claim that this is possible they're also showing that potentially they are like one of the first people or like the only people who are able to actually use the process that they you know surprisingly got released with, without planning uh, by Quan, who's no longer affiliated that you know the, the process does lead to some of these things they stand behind this uh we're at this point i think the, the human element and the, the the sleuthing around how it came to be and how these papers came out, uh, at least in some in our minds, kind of removes the possibility of fraud outright. And now they definitely are able to get funding, given that they are the only people who can actually replicate this very well and have examples of this. Go ahead, Abe. 
And I, I'll also note that uh, patents are patents are defense. Patent, patents are not offense. Like pat, patents, you don't use a, typically use a patent to go and like, uh, if you're a producer, if you're not a troll, you typically don't use a patent to go and sue someone uh, that is doing something. The patent is there so that when you're doing something, some troll doesn't come and sue you. That's that's typically how patents have been used in the last like decade or so. Um, so I, I think the filing of the patent is just kind of one step. Like they're just putting it out there. Uh, I don't think they're going to go and sue anyone for this. Like they have to produce a product. They have to produce products that are um, that people want to use. Right? Compelling, compelling use cases, compelling products. And if they can do that, uh, and if they're the first to do that, they will scale that, right? And and they're in a place, they're in a very good place to do that. They, they're in Korea, they have the industrial base, um, they have the potential users right next door. Um, so they can they can do this. They can definitely like scale this quickly. And uh, it's going to be interesting to keep seeing how this kind of exploded in popularity and everybody's replicating kind of in the open, uh, whether or not this will continue now that, you know, <laughs> the more credibility is given to the team and kind of their claims, the more obscureness and, and uh, fog of war is removed from whether or not they're fraudulent or not. Um, we, we will keep seeing, I don't know, maybe less and less uh, being stuff being replicated in the open. I want to ask Daniel, like, what's your, what's your take on the openness of how this was like released and, and talked about versus potentially the more it becomes you know, real or replicable, how, how, how much of this we'll see in the open, given the patents and the, you know, countries stepping into this? Uh, yeah, well, I think you, you describe it very well. Um, any institutions, universities, or, or research institutes who are, who will enter this with the intent of making money are better off doing it uh, silently until they can, uh, you know, find their own production uh, processes, their own patent, file their own patents, find their own applications. That would be the way to approach it. Uh, and then since the, you know, the, the Nobel Prize is off the table uh, also, then actually there's, you know, I, I'm sure there's a lot of professors who are curious about it and will want to pursue the physics of it. Uh, but the motivation is no longer that strong and the process they would follow is apply for grants. And so I guess we're going to see the wave of science coming much later. It feels to me that given the popularity this has gotten, given the potentially incredibly uh, strong outputs here, uh, that, that grants will be given easier mm -hmm. and, and, and money uh, will, will start flowing, definitely for Q Center as well. Uh, folks, I think we've been at this for an hour and a half. Uh, I do want to, based on Eli's uh, and other folks' previous uh, kind of comments, I want to have these spaces more tight. And I think we've covered most of what we want to cover. There's no so back and so over. Like We're going to see kind of the timelines, and we're going to see folks who are trying to encapsulate on the excitement of this, uh, take different stands. We're going to see the prediction markets tank and then go up and, and tank and then go up. Uh, I want to go around kind of the, the, the folks on stage currently and some folks in the audience who are part of the green room. Uh, I see Daniel in there. I see some uh, XD. I see some, uh, some other folks. Feel free to also raise your hand. I want to just like to, to maybe finalize. And I think the more we learn about this, the more I will ask this question at the end. Like, what else do we need to see to like start drinking champagne? 
Uh, what else do we need to like clearly see? Videos are not enough at this point, I believe. Uh, nor do you know the amount of fakes out there starts to kind of muddy the water in terms of like video evidence. Uh, what do we need to see or hear or kind of get a confirmation about that? You know, we're actually stepping on on a path towards like a world changing uh, material here that will give us all the benefits that we already talked about. And I think it's worth having a separate uh, episode on kind of just the effects of room temperature superconductors uh, once we have them. So I'd like to give the maybe Atipi first and then uh, uh, Daniel, then Eli uh, close us out. Okay, so I expect uh, a few things. I expect uh, two to three months from now. Uh, Argon will put out its report, right? So I think I think that's going to be uh, huge for everyone uh, to really have a confirmatory report from a Western source. So I think I think that's going to be important. Uh, I I'm guessing like six to nine months from now, uh, you're going to see a marketing guy from Q Center show up uh, in every like you know nuclear fusion um, you know startup in the world offering a superconductive uh, lead copper appetite uh, tape, uh, which is going to be, you know, a fraction of the cost of the uh, existing, um, you know, nitrogen, um, nitrogen cool tape. And I think, uh, I think it's very clear that that's the, that's their first product. Hey, uh, just before um, continue, I, I think this is important and some people may have missed some of the fusion stuff as it relates to superconductivity tape. Could you please talk about just briefly about what does superconductive tape mean in superconductive world and, and, and how it like relates to whether or not they are able to produce energy? Right. So superconductors are interesting because they give you a lot more fine control over magnetism. And uh, magnetism is pretty important in nuclear fusion in order to kind of hold the, the plasma process in place. At least as a non-scientist, that is what I understand. But feel free to correct me. So, the, uh, as far as I know, there's like two approaches to uh, fusion energy, and both need superconductors and and strength, very strong magnets as well. One of them is shielding. I think in tokamak reactors, uh, folks on stage talked about previously, it's shielding the internal processes that like super extremely like 100 million degrees, whatever hot plasma that's that's doing the reaction and fusion to give us energy. Uh, so the the tape in tokamak reactors is shielding the actual reactor walls from you know getting exposed to this uh, with very strong magnetic fields. It's really expensive to uh, to, to to hold these uh, superconductors in a superconductive state, like we said, right? Because those are type two superconductors, they need to be super chilled. So you need to actually like spend a lot of time on, on uh, I hope I'm saying this right, on nitrogen and, and some other stuff. That's the tokamak reactor. And I think this is the previous version of superconductors, the, the uh, of, of, sorry, of fusion reactors, I'm missing my stuff here. The helium type uh, superconductors, um, again, sorry, let me take a breath one second. Uh, helium uh, energy is one of the recent more fusion reactor kind of startups, I think backed by Sam Altman, who's, who's chair there, their process of using um, big magnets is actually moving the plasma along, including shielding, of course, but moving the plasma along using kind of kind of like rails, etc. Uh, I, I strongly recommend folks to look at helium energy and their approach to, to uh, fusion reactors, specifically because, again, both those super reactors around the world, kind of uh, fusion reactors, I'm missing all all the all the statements. Um, both those 
previous fusion reactors and current fusion reactors use superconductors and they spend a lot of energy to hold those superconductors in place and to hold those magnetic fields in place and the expense on that energy kind of makes them not worthy and by not worthy i mean we know the reaction in, in fusion uh, reactors exist. We know how to replicate this. There's the plasma heated to uh, su su super high temperatures and we can extract energy from there. However, it takes way more energy to sustain this process than to produce the energy, which makes them not very necessarily effective. Eli? So, so we're, 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 not even, we're not even there. Uh, the... the um just getting uh, a sustained uh, reaction even if even if chilling the the superconductors was was consuming more energy would still be an achievement at this point um, but uh, um, what we would hope for from a superconductor to uh, um, make fusion more workable would be uh, being able to generate high, magnetic fields in order to confine the com confine and compress the plasma um, because the more you compress it the more all of the particles that are really hot uh, more chance they have in a smaller volume to bounce into each other and a fraction of the times they bounce into each other they fuse um, so so or, or collide with each other they fuse and so, so that's that's the the key point for high magnetic fields uh, facilitating nuclear fusion. Um, which which doesn't so, necessarily mean that LK ninety nine is going to be like a drop in replacement because we don't know the magnetic effects of this yet, exactly, right? We don't know the conductivity parts. We don't know a lot of things. And uh, kind of, I think when this started, everybody said like room temperature uh, superconductor. Everybody was kind of assuming that this is like the type two, but at room temperature. Now we're seeing that maybe it's like a different beast entirely that could have its own applications, but no magnetic field strength, no no resistivity is yet even to be to be proven. This is what we're still waiting for. Is that is that a fair summary, Eli? That's yeah. I mean, we you know we've we've seen a, you know a couple of plots from from Quantum Energy Research Center, uh, but you know it, when when somebody else either you know produces their own sample and shows a measurement with with you know really really low or zero resistance you know that would be confirmatory that would be a breakthrough if at, at room temperature and ambient pressure um but then uh or you know or you know measuring it on sam samples from from the original uh research team that would at least you know confirm that there's something real here right but then there's the second uh, issue that that uh, we're just going into how does this behave in terms of of magnetism both in terms of what are the critical fields and if it is a different class of superconductor uh you know the, we we can't necessarily just extrapolate from type one or type two su su um, uh, superconductors and and you know th things need to be uh determined afresh and then new, new, new uh, um, theoretical analyses need to be built around actual, you know, uh, empirical results. And uh, potentially 
applications as well. And uh, I just want to call out uh, uh, one of the green room uh, med scientists, Daniel, who's talking about specifically tape applications and using this kind of on tape and then and using this in, in different applications as well. Uh, I want to get to Daniel, uh, Daniel Rosen, Rosenblatt last. And Daniel, please tell us kind of your what you're looking at, what you're looking forward and um, kind of yeah, just just take us away in in kind of the last statements, and uh, and I think we'll conclude. Well, uh, I'm really bad at uh, predictions, but uh, what I, I think the Q Center is definitely working hard. Maybe they're working hard to decide what's the application they should pursue because the, it depends on the properties and how how well they can optimize them. If it's uh, they can hold a lot of current, or if they can produce a lot of field, or if uh, they can. Uh, expel a lot of field, it's different properties that make your material optimal for different applications. So I'm have no idea which one they're going to go for first. Uh, and, uh, and, and I think a lot of countries will not want to be caught behind the curve on this. So I think we're going to see government funding, especially in defense, because some of the possible applications are military. And this also, I think it's not going to happen in the open. Uh, so the, the the fast pursuit is not going to happen in the open, and we're not going to see a whole lot in the next few months. Okay, taken, taken. And I will just say this one thing before I get to Atopi, and we'll actually close. <laughs> I've been trying. Uh, folks, having these spaces has, like, you know, expanded my worldview, like having folks like Eli and, and Daniel and other folks on stage kind of talking to me like I'm five years old and explaining to me the science has helped me. And hopefully, based on the feedback that we've gotten, helps folks in the audience as well. And you can follow all of this in floatyrocks.fm, which is like a podcast that we're now kind of trying to, to add all of this to, including transcription, which is if you if you wanted to go back to a previous point and see if, if we made a... Uh, uh, a statement that's worthy kind of to follow up on or if you want to see kind of the show notes as well i think all of this will be added <clears throat> there as well uh we also have a community and we welcome you to join and give us like news and have folks react to this as well and um all of this is to the point that daniel just raised that we may not see a lot happening in the open going forward however my gut feeling about this being out there and this being as easily replicated is that at least some folks will want to make the name for themselves, not via the standard scientific process of like peer-reviewed paper in Nature magazine, etc. And even not via the patent kind of hey, we got the patent first, etc. I think I think Twitter has a, <clears throat> I think Twitter is I, I posted this tweet. I apologize for the for the joke. I think Twitter is the information superconductor, and I think. Uh, at least uh, the internet is definitely that and you know the Chinese internet as well and I think we will see folks doing different interesting things like we saw Iris uh, on in the open on Twitter even if they are not affiliated uh, there will be a lot of fakes we will we won't know for sure it's going to be hard to corroborate but I do think that we may continue seeing some interesting things uh, if this dies down it's not interesting anymore I promise you to like we'll conclude this uh, in the last episode I don't feel like it is and so I welcome you to follow Florida Rocks FM and kind of follow along with us and join the community and bring on different things to us as well uh, Pi, please take us away and then I think we'll close on this Um, yeah, so so I think I think um, you know um, I'm I'm pretty confident at this point that the uh, first application is tape. Um, they have a deposition process uh, already. Uh, they've deposited on 
uh, copper, basically. And um, so it's going to be a copper tape with a thin film um, of lead appetite on top of it. Um, they've already kind of like, you know, tested it and they've actually shown it in several presentations. And um, I think, uh, you know, from the reports from Kentech, they have upscaled their production process. So they're producing enough of it now. I don't know how much more they've upscaled, but they're in process. Uh, and finally, the one person who you don't, who you've never heard from is the experimentalist who has to do all the work. So J.H. Kim is sitting in a lab somewhere working while everyone else is giving press conferences. So I, th I, think, I think we'll see a product before we see a confirmation. I also think that what might end up happening is we will redefine uh, superconductivity in total because I think the lay, the lay understanding of superconductivity is that it's superconductive and not all of this other you know, stuff which comes along. And I think that that, that process might take like 10 years to happen. Right. So we're going to be in this kind of like we might be in this gray zone for a long time. OK, folks, I take it back. I promise that we're going to conclude. However, uh, Sankhyang just joined us, Sankhyang Seo, uh, who is a, a dear member of the Green Room, the Korean researcher on the ground, a whole research team and friends behind in the Discord and has noticed multiple translation things and multiple kind of, uh, I, I want to say a real time historian of, of this whole thing. And uh, I consider something I consider you my Korean friend. I told my wife, "Hey, my Korean friend just texted me. Wait, I can't speak. Uh, feel free to, if you want to chime in or tell us something. Feel free. And if you want to just say hi, that's also okay." Okay, everyone. Hi, uh, Alex. Thank you for introduction. And uh, I haven't followed the space yet, so I don't know what's going on here. Uh, we haven't, so, we haven't talked so, about Bogolubov almost at all. If you want to maybe give a brief introduction and then kind of maybe uh, present the stuff no, that you're working no. uh, Not necessarily in full detail, just like maybe give us a little teaser. Uh, uh, maybe next time. Uh, I will just talk about uh, what's going on on our Korean Discord server. And... Uh, we had a long discussion after the uh, today's work hours, and we uh, unanimously agreed that uh, our time commenting on physics is uh, just done, finished. Uh, uh, there is no value in commenting on that anymore. Like real physicists are on it. Uh, by by now, you need a whole department of physics to compete on science, and uh, we don't have it. So we decided to focus on uh, history, history of science more. And uh, someone made a discovery of the so 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 there is a Korean site called the Naval News Library, which is essential to anyone researching the old history in South Korea. It has a full archive of uh, uh, important daily newspapers of Korea in the original image form and uh, searchable text from uh, 1920 to 2000. So any newspaper after the 2000, the newspaper didn't agree to share because uh, it is commercially valuable. 
but for more than 20 years old articles, they agreed to uh, make it searchable and enable news library for the public benefit. And if you want to research something in South Korea before the 1920, uh, there is an old newspaper archive also in the National Library of Korea. So, so anyway, we are uh, going through the uh, old newspaper archive and someone found uh, a whole uh, press conference and uh, controversy in 1996 uh, involving the Professor Choi Dong-sik. Um, so, so, so Choi Dong-sik, uh, developed a new theory of superconductivity and then further developed it to the uh, so-called ISB theory of superconductivity, meaning the uh, interatomic superconducting band. So, so that, that's initial is ISB. But uh, so, so our suspicion is, uh, don't quote me on it, but uh, our Discord server people think uh, ISB is a backronym from uh, interatomic superconducting band that they just made up those words. And ISB actually stands for the initial of E Sokbae. You'd think the initial would be LSB, but in South Korea, uh, Lee can also be uh, romanized as just E. So, so ISB is literally E Sokbae. And they said that. Uh, uh, so 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 there is an another press conference in the 1994, also in the neighbor news library. Uh, we are we are we are now now working on the research and publishing it. But uh, the gist is that in 1994, Korea University had a press conference that they had a new theory of superconductivity that explains the all the uh old experimental research. Uh, uh, that was found before. Remember that uh, we had a, a satisfactory theory of low temperature superconductor, but high temperature superconductor is still on in the graph. And they think that their new theory of superconductivity is the best theory to explain the existing experimental research. And uh, they did a press conference and everyone was not convinced. Like, uh, uh, if your theory can explain all the uh, past experimental results, that is a retroaction, not prediction, and uh, you come up with a new superconductor based on your new theory. If you make an experimental prediction, we will uh, consider it. Then after the two years, they hold on another press conference saying that in 1996, that uh, we did an experimental confirmation of ISP theory that they uh, predicted a new superconductor based on their ISB theory, which is a further development of a new conceptual theory. And uh, they uh, confirmed the uh, critical temperature of a new superconductor. And uh, this makes clear that their, their theory is entirely correct and they should be funded by the public government. And uh, everyone was also not convinced because uh, uh, while I think it was not controversial that they found a new uh, superconductor that was not known uh, until that time. 
it was a new superconductor and it was based on uh, the their theory and the, their theoretical prediction matched the experiment but what they found was uh, had a very low critical temperature like uh, uh, 6 kelvin or so but but that matched the theory and uh, it was unknown uh, uh, should should I stop? Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, first of all, Sangan, thank you so much. Second of all, uh, I think, folks, if I to recap kind of some of the stuff that Sangan and team are working on, and I think they're incredibly interesting, is that to all of us, this is new. To all of us, like we saw this a couple of weeks ago, and we started like you know reading into this, etc. To folks who working for this for twenty years, this is not new. Like literally, we have examples of Professor uh, uh, Sangan. We're saying Choi at this point, Professor Choi. Uh, yes. So, 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 what I'm saying is that, uh, so, so we are going through the uh, National Library of Korea and Naval News Library, and so far we found an, uh, so Professor Choi Dong-sik did an interview with a Popular Science uh, magazine in 1993, and uh, published the whole book published by Korea University Press on the theory in 1994. And uh, in 1994, they did a press conference announcing that their new theory of superconductivity is satisfactory confirmed and nobody listened. And after two years, they said that they made an experimental confirmation with the theoretical prediction uh, of their new theory and nobody listened. And and then after three years, they found a glimpse of the room temperature superconductor we know as LK99, which is from uh, 1999. So, like, uh, so so I thought this was from uh, 1999, so that's uh, uh, like uh, 24 years, but uh, it is actually at least starting from the that popular science magazine interview, which is 1993, which means this is literally 30 years old project by now. So, uh, Sangyan, thank you. I think uh, I think uh, this is a lot for one space, and definitely we'll have you on in a dedicated space about the history and how this came to be, and for why, we, like for what reason the books published on this with theory didn't fit the existing science. Uh, I want to just say thanks to everybody on the stage. First of all, if the interest, if the history interests you, please follow Sanghyun and his team. He's publishing a bunch of stuff in English, uh, and they're definitely doing in-depth work. I've noticed him uh, and, and the team kind of catching on tiny, tiny differences in translation that, you know, uh, as somebody who built uh, a, a translation kind of uh, software and is very, um, very strongly against language barriers, I really appreciate Sanghyun's work in, like, actually, like, very dedicated translation issues and, and, and mis-issues. And potentially, translation ability in 94 could have also prevented this from getting wider public uh, look and many other people that like could have accepted this. However, it's very important and very interesting for some of us to like go down the depth of history here because as I said to many of us, this is new, this is exciting, this is on Twitter, everybody's talking about this, this is a leak. However, there have been people for 20 years plus that are talking about this as a new theory and the scientific world potentially not accepting them. And hopefully, or potentially now there's going to be enough of public interest, money behind this to replicate, and also, you know, patents around and applications that actually show 
whether or not this is possible. Like Eita Pai said, maybe a tape is going to come forward, etc. So definitely keep watching. Uh, Sangyan, we're going to have you on hopefully in uh, maybe on Friday and other places, and we're going to talk about history uh, of this. Everybody who's interested, meanwhile, feel free to follow Sangyan. Uh, feel free to follow Daniel as well. Daniel, thank you so much for joining us for the first time. You're always welcome to join in next time. I really appreciate your expertise and explanations. Um, Eli and Eita Pai, my, my essentially co-host at this point, we've been doing this so many, so many times. Um, folks, Flory Rocks FM uh, as well. We're going to try to bring you as... There's going to be some hype, but Sanghen definitely is the hype moderator multiple times. However, we're going to try to verify most of what we're saying. We're going to try to be as clear, at least chronologically, as possible. And uh, yeah, just follow the group, join the community, and we welcome you to join the next space. I will finish with this. I'm not a scientist, like I said. I'm, I don't know what put me in the position of having this amount of like incredibly smart folks talk to me like like a simple chat and explain. And this helps other people in the audience. So I appreciate everybody's time here listening to us. And uh, if this, if if you find this interesting, share with your friends and follow. Uh, we. We're potentially uh, brushing against something that's incredible, that's changing, whether or not it's applicable as a drop-in replacement or it's a new theory that needs new applications. Or it does not seem at this point that it's a complete fake. It does not seem like this. Everybody who's talking about the papers released, folks, please go to the previous episode. We've talked about this. The papers released does not mean that this doesn't happen or this isn't real. We are seeing for independent... We're waiting for independent confirmations, like uh, Atapai said, Argon National Lab, some other folks. Uh, we will give you the updates. We'll give you the news. Follow the community. With that, have a nice Tuesday, and we'll, we'll see you soon, maybe on Friday. Cheers, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye. Wait, I had the music that I wanted to play on the exit. Uh, yeah, okay, bye-bye.